purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is Rosemary Gladstar. Rosemary Gladstar is a renowned herbal teacher and practitioner with more than 35 years of experience working with herbs. She's the director of the International Herb Symposium and the annual Women's Herbal Conference, and she's the co-founder of the traditional medicinal tea company and founding president of the nonprofit United Plant Savers. She's here today to talk about her new book, Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide, a, a gift you can get if you become a new member during the show. Welcome to Health Watch, Rosemary Gladstar. Great, David. Thank you. So one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning of, of the Medicinal Herbs Guide is that there's a major difference between conventional medicine and herbal medicine in relationship to what you call constitutional wellness, that um, herbal medicine deals more with constitutional wellness. Could you explain that to our listeners and what you mean? Well, yes. Um, you know, it's... When you look at herbs, they're like whole plants. They're like, you know, they're comprised of literally hundreds of thousands of different constituents. And so they do work as medicines for sure, but um, they also have this very broad spectrum way that they work on the body. And more than medicines, most of these plants are really used as food and have been for literally thousands of years. So they're really addressing the constitutional, the constitution of individuals, you know, the overall health and well-being of a person not only through a nourishing aspect, but also through very specific ways that they work in the body. So most of our drug medicine is working really with a single agenda. You know, it's most of the time they're extremely concentrated chemicals or a chemical that has a very specific pathway in the body. Here's work on a much broader level. So they're nourishing, supporting, and working constitutionally, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Um, it, one of the major uh, sections in, in the book is dealing with walking people through the steps of, of making their own medicinal garden, preparing their own medicines, um, and using them at home. And one of the things I really loved about it was that you learn one technique and it becomes the building block for another technique. For instance, you learn how to decoct an herb, and that is one step farther to learning how to make an herbal syrup, for instance. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the really beautiful things about herbs and herbal medicine is that it's a quote-unquote backyard or kitchen medicine, and it's been that way always. I mean, it can be clinical, and there's a lot of excellent clinical practitioners, but really the I think the greatest aspect, one of the greatest parts of herbalism is that it's something that we can all do, and it's... Um, and it's actually very simple and easy, and it was particularly helpful for all of those common everyday illnesses that people get, the everyday kind of situations that arise for people. And so if you can start people learning to work with the plants in their garden and then the simple steps of making all of your home medicines that you need, really, you know, unless you have a major health crisis, it gets people feeling comfortable and safe with these plants, you know, and more willing to try them for different things. So it's, it's a technique I've used in teaching my students for, you know, the last 35 years is get your hands in it, see how fun it is, because it's actually fun. You know, you start making salves and 
you know, little pill balls and herbal teas and tinctures and things that you didn't really know that you could do, you, you get pulled right into it. And, you know, I think the other thing about it, David, that I love is so much a part of the tradition of people all around the world. So kind of like with any of our traditional arts, is once you start working with it, it you find that it's in us. You know, it's, it's something that's so much a part of us. I always say it's almost like walking or talking. It's such a part of who humans are that it comes back to us, these memories of how to work with it. So... Yeah, you know, start in the simple, in the garden if you can, and a lot of times people don't have gardens, so you can grow a few plants and pots if you want, you know, and have your little kitchen culinary herbs, just so you have that experience of working with them literally from the ground up. Bring them into your kitchen, you know, start brewing them up, because it's far more than a book, science, or art, you know. It's, say you can learn, you can read all you want about herbs, but until you start working with them, um, you don't really have a relationship with them. In case you just tuned in, we're talking with Rosemary Gladstar about her new book, Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A, Me- a Beginner's Guide. A lot, of the, um, uh, a lot of our listeners are probably would be surprised if they learned that uh, some of the more pow- powerful herbs are actually growing in their yard as weeds, uh, especially here in Oregon. I, oh, yeah. you, you mentioned burdock and dandelion, which I know a, a lot of herbalists and naturopaths and others really rely on those as, as significant medicines. Can you talk a little bit about burdock, for instance, and what are some of yeah. the uses and, and home preparations we could do? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting because so many of the plants that people consider weedy species are actually some of our best medicine. And one of the things that I've observed is our native plants, the ones that tend to be a little rare and that are very habitat-specific, you know, you find them deep in the forest or by streams, etc. They're not so much the common plants that you'll find, you know, in everybody's backyard garden or along the roadsides or in the fields, those native plants seem to be more specific for the deeper illnesses, the more serious issues that people have. But all of the common everyday illnesses, and, you know, again, it's, it's pretty easy to figure this out. It's not like rocket science or science or anything, but most of those plants are readily available, and they've traveled with people. So wherever people have gone, you see very much these same weedy species growing, Herbs like you mentioned, the burdock and the dandelion, the plantain, which is another incredible medicine, and yarrow. These are all just common weeds that usually people are very busy weeding out of their gardens. And I agree that you do have to do a little bit of, you know, plant maintenance for certain because these plants tend to take over. But they really literally are some of the most potent medicines used for those common health problems that people, you know, have. And so you take an herb like burdock and... Japanese and Chinese medicine, burdock is considered a, a major medicinal and as well as in Western European medicine. You know, here we think of it as, quote-unquote, a noxious weed, but, you know, it's very safe. It has no counter-interactions that have ever been noted. And then it's also, like, tasty. You know, so many of these weedy medicinal plants, actually, I would say their taste is not always the best, but burdock actually is very good, and it's sold in Japanese, really fine Japanese restaurants. It's Gobo root, and it's the very same Arctium lapa um, that is found growing wild. So we use it uh, medicinally as a major herb for liver congestion and skin problems, for nourishing that deep constitutional wellness again that we were just discussing a few minutes ago. You, you talk about a uh, uh, preparation of using burdock for 
people who have angry, agitated husbands, for instance. I thought that was a great one, for, which is a sign of liver congestion, potentially someone who has a short temper and somebody who maybe flies off the handle really quickly. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it helps to cool excess heat in the body. And I was just using that example of, you know, people who get very agitated and, you know, they, they just fly off the handle at everything. They're really nice people maybe, but they have these hot tempers and oftentimes they have rooty complexions. Sometimes they're kind of beefy, you know, kind of have a lot of, um, you know, they're, they're sometimes like chunky kind of people. And sometimes constitutionally we say that too much heat, you know, I'm, I'm simplifying this, as you know, but, you know, it, these concepts are common sense. And so burdock is a cooling herb. Actually, many of the herbs that we use, including dandelion, they help to cool that heat. So they help to balance that agitation where, you know, oftentimes we see in our allopathic traditions of healing, oftentimes the things that are used actually cause more imbalance, you know, they're more agitating. And um, so, but in natural types of medicine, including herbal medicine, there's a tendency to always try to seek that place of balance. And so with people who have those kind of overly hot constitutions, we look to cool them down, and burdock is a really excellent herb. It also is like very cooling for skin irritations, like rashes and eruptions, you know, those kind of, that kind of angry... Um, acne that happens you see a lot in young people and I would imagine you 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 have a recipe in in the medicinal guide about uh, making a tea for teenagers who have acne and given that it has a good taste I would imagine it'd be easier for for younger well, people I think to take. taste is always really important you know it's it is true that Chinese herbalists can get their patients to take anything that even tastes terrible you know you always see people laughing about these terrible tasting Chinese formulas and they'll take them but I really found that you get so much more compliancy if you can make a really good medicine that's as effective but it tastes good and especially I'd say that's true of teenagers and elderly people and kids and everybody in between actually people like their you know that old saying a teaspoon of sugar or honey helps the medicine go down so, so it- I, I really stress trying to make your formulas to taste really good and it's very easy to do that with, you know, once you learn your herbs, how to formulate. And I do go into that in the book, you know, trying to show people how to make really good formulas that are effective and are tasty. And now we're going to invite some friends of KBU into the studio to talk to you about how you can become a member of KBU and also get a copy of Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide at the same time. That's right, and you can become a member uh, of KBU at any level of membership, or you can become a member at the $60 level and receive a copy of Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide. Hi, my name is Liz, and I'm with Ani. Say hello, Ani. Hello, Liz. <laughs> no, say hello, oh, Ani. Hello, Ani. Thank you. We've <laughs> had too much coffee today. I, I'm not very good at following directions. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> <I know that>. <laughs> <laughs> but how you become a member is you give us a call right here at 503 232 8818 toll free 1-877-500-5266 or online kboo.fm there's a little tip jar in the upper right hand corner of the site just click on that it says donate today and we'll get you right on your way towards membership Ani? 
Indeed, we will. And right now, we are looking to raise about four hundred dollars for Health Watch, uh, David Naiman's uh, weekly, near weekly show here on KBU on Mondays. It's a regular part of my Mondays. I always appreciate the guests that David brings to us as they talk about health issues that you know. If I myself am not needing to know more information about, then I generally know someone who is close to me that is having conditions that could be helped by the information that David is putting out on the air or his uh you know really kind of brilliant guests like today rosemary gladstar uh who's written medicinal herbs a beginner's guide and it, again as liz was mentioning for your 60 dollar minimum contribution you can pick up a copy of rosemary gladstar's medicinal herbs a beginner's guide 33 healing herbs to know and make things tasty i like that i like that uh new twist Yum. in herbalism because i know my grand she didn't necessarily have that philosophy. Here's an example of tasty tincture here for rosemary, the herb rosemary. Ginkgo leaf, cola leaf, rosemary, peppermint, and a little bit of brandy. Sounds yummy. Plus, it's a really good brain tonic. So I could use a brain tonic. I could totally you? use a brain tonic. This is the time of day I start getting kind of cloudy and fuzzy. But we know that you're really, really sharp and you're really focused because you're listening to KBU right now. And that's where you know all the sharp, focused, smart people go. Pick up the phone right now and give us a call. 503 503- Two three two eight eight one eight KBOO dot FM or toll free eight seven seven five zero zero five two six six. Welcome back to Health Watch. We're talking today with Rosemary Gladstar, the author of Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs: A Beginner's Guide, which can be yours by becoming a member at five zero three two three two eight eight one eight. You walk people through how to make uh, syrups, how to make oils, how to make pills, how to make tinctures, how to make teas. Is there a, a preferred way in general that you like to use over others? I know that each has its specific indications, but is there a, a way you gravitate towards for most of the herbal delivery? Well, it really depends, David. I mean, it, it, it does depend on the situation and the individual, but I'd say for myself personally, I prefer teas, and it's not that I think they're more potent, you know, if anything, sometimes they're not as potent, but they're so user-friendly, and they also, you know, we're, I would say that we so often think of medicine and pills or, you know, tinctures, and I really want to try to instill on people that really the way we live is the best medicine. So if we can bring um, these herbs into our daily life and the lifestyles that we know keep us healthy, to make that more a daily kind of um a daily mantra or a daily situation that we do. So teas actually start to change the way that you think of medicine. You know, you, you take a few minutes, you brew your tea up, you drink it. You're actually calling attention on the deepest level to whatever the balance point or the imbalance point might be. So I do, I always try to get my clients or my patients to take teas, and I love taking teas myself, but I also am the first to recognize that you get you don't always get good compliancy. So, you know, I always say the very best form of medicine is the medicine that a person will take. So, you could, you know, you could make a great tea blend, and if that person isn't going to drink the tea, it doesn't matter how good it is, you know. So, usually just ask people. But with all of that said, I mean, there are certain herbs that render their chemical constituents better to certain solvents. So, alcohol, you know, water, um, there's all different ways that these constituents will be drawn into the, the solvent or the medium 
And, and even with teas, uh, well, probably the most basic differentiation is whether you infuse a tea or whether you decoct a tea. Could you could you very briefly just tell our listeners what the difference between those two are? Well, infusion, when you do an infusion, you're actually just steeping the herbs in boiling water or really hot water. Um, and you use an infusion when you have very delicate plant parts like the leaves or plants that are really highly aromatic because the volatile oils are extremely sensitive to heat. So, you know, you use an infusion for all those delicate plant parts that render their properties into water readily. But if you have, like, really coarse roots and hard nuts and seeds, the infusion usually doesn't work as well as the decoction. So decoction is like a, it's a simmering, a gentle simmer of the plant. Um, and some, you know, you have people who, especially in, in the raw food movement, who don't want to cook plants certain ways, you know, over a certain heat. So oftentimes those people will let them steep overnight, you know, just, you know, get the water up to that really hot, I think it's 110 degrees, and let the roots infuse all night or the herbs infuse. But generally I would say infusion with the light, delicate plant parts, like the leaves and the flowers and highly aromatic plants, and the decoction would be when you have you know, more tenacious roots and arcs and seeds that are got really hard shells on them. And you can tell the difference. You know, every almost everything in herbalism is, makes sense. It's all about common sense. So, you know, like I always say to the students, if you're not sure, you know, make a batch, infuse a plant part, and then decoct it and see which is stronger, you know. And, and that's how you really learn what really works. So in my years of experience, I find decocting works great for roots and barks and heavy-duty seeds and that nice infusion for the lighter, more delicate plant parts. So a lot of the herbs that are mentioned, the non-weedy herbs that are mentioned in Rosemary Gladstar's medicinal herb, um, are also foods. And I was curious if you could talk about when is something a food and when is it a medicine? Just well, like how, when is something just a recreational tea versus actually a medicine you're using to change yeah, your health? Yeah, I mean, it, it oftentimes really has to do with the dose and the duration. And I, I use the example, you know, like you can drink a great glass of carrot juice or beet carrot celery, you know, and it's always going to taste good and be good for you. But if you have a lot of health problems, a lot of digestive issues or congested liver, that formula might be a medicine, you know, and it could be suggested by a naturopath or an herbalist. And But you couldn't just drink a cup for it to be, you know, to have any long-term effect. You'd be drinking maybe a half a cup of it um, a couple of times a day over a period of two or three weeks to really get a lasting effect. So, you know, like like nettle, chamomile, raspberry tea, for instance, you know, you could have that occasionally. Now, let me use an ex- a different example. Let's say you take an herb like, that are all good for the nervous system and stress, like lemon balm and chamomile and hawthorn, which I love that formula for stress and anxiety. You can drink that as a pleasant tea. It's very tasty, and it's you know, it's going to make you feel a little bit relaxed and nice when you're drinking it. But if you have a lot of chronic anxiety issues and you want to see some change happen, you would take that tea and we would say, you know, drink two to three cups of it daily for two to three weeks and to see a lasting change. So, so oftentimes it's the dosage and the duration of treatment. And it's the same with a lot of our culinary herbs. You know, I spend quite a bit of time in the book and there's a section that's goes into the spice cabinet because some of the some of our best medicines, you know, world-renowned medicines are in people's spice cabinets. You know, they're already practicing herbalists. They're using herbs in practice, you know. But when you look at those herbs like turmeric and cinnamon and rosemary and allspice, any of those, ginger is a great example. 
you know, when you take a little bit and sprinkle in your food, it's, you know, it's going to have a little bit of goodness. But for those herbs to have medicinal properties, you know, again, we're, we're going to recommend a specific dosage over a period of time. And you can take ginger and turmeric and, you know, any of those, rosemary, and just up the dosage and up the period of time, and you're going to see some really good lasting results in people. And now we're going to invite some friends of KBU into the studio to talk to you about how you can become a member of KBU and also get a copy of Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide at the same time. You can do it very easily, David. Thank you so much. This is Ani. I'm here with Liz. And we are uh, enticing you to become members of KBU Community Radio right now. You can do it by dialing 503 232 one eight or one eight seven seven five zero zero five two six six. Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs: A Beginner's Guide uh, is a great book. Uh, Liz and I are enjoying looking through it here, and uh, you know I've long been interested in herbs, and this is a great book that breaks it down not only which herbs do what, but also how to decoct them, how to blend them together, how to uh, get the most benefit out of them, and makes it very simple. Uh, and and you know it's not all that complicated. They are uh, the are the kitchen medicine, as Rosemary Gladstar was uh, was saying to David in the first segment of this interview, and uh, this book brings that on home they, that we can access backyard medicine our very own selves. And in order to uh, get this book, all you need to do is give us a call at five zero three two three two eight eight one eight or one eight seven seven five zero zero. 5266 and say yes to community radio. I have a contribution of $60 and I'd like to get Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs. That's right. And now is the time. You know, we have a few copies of this book, but they are going to go because Portland is a major herbal remedy kind of town. We have all kinds of alternative medicine happening here. We know that this subject is really of interest to a lot of our listeners and to people even who may not be listeners who may not even know about this show. If you know someone that you think would be interested in this show, you can send them to a link on our website at kboo.fm where a podcast of the show will be posted either later today or tomorrow and they can listen to it and you can share that knowledge and you can share that wealth and you can share that information. That's a lot of what community radio is all about. is about community members gathering together and saying hey, did you catch this show on KBOO? And you know, that's how new members hear about us. That's how um, older members say, oh yeah, I forgot that show was on. I, I missed it. I'd like to hear it again. Now's the time to really increase the, the presence of KBU in the community, both through your talking about it and through your financial support. 503-232-8818. Toll free, one 877 5-0-0-5-2-6-6, or online at kboo.fm. We'd like to thank David from Philomath, who's renewing his membership. Thank you, David. We'd like to thank everybody who's become a member so far during our membership drive. We literally cannot stay on the air without your support. It really all does come down to you because eight, more than 80% of our support comes from individual listeners. We don't get any corporate funding, we don't get any government funding, and we don't get any foundation funding. The, the, re, the remaining uh, source of our funding
funding comes from local businesses, uh, underwriting ads, and a little bit of a web presence of ads on our website. But, you know, basically it really is about your support. And you may have heard that before and not really, and you thought, oh, that just sounds like, you know, community radio hyperbole here. But it isn't. It really does make a difference. Your contribution, whatever it is, makes a difference. We're not going to tell you how much KBOO is of value to you. You have to decide that for yourself. But if consider maybe a $40 membership, which is our basic membership, $40 a year, or perhaps a $60 membership, which rounds out to 16 cents a day. Is KBOO worth 16 cents a day to you? Oh, I would say it is. I would say it I is say. too. And you know, Liz and I, never hyperbolous. We we are just never. here to uh, give it to you pretty much straight up that we are your community resource when it comes to the broadcast dial for news and information you can use to uh, pull community together to do right action, to create social change. That is the work of KBU. Whether it is uh, on international issues like war and peace, whether it is looking at our, our natural resources and looking at how we use those nationally and how they impact the entire universe, uh, looking at how we impact our own bodies, our own health, uh, and do we do that in resources that are in our own backyards or do we uh, you know, do that in a big pharma supportive kind of way. Well, there's a lot that we can do to take back our own health care into our own hands. Occupy your say, health. Not to say it fixes everything. I myself am reliant on some big pharma things. It's yeah, true. But there's so much that we can do our own selves that helps, that keeps us uh, uh, healthy and together again as community members, sharing <clears throat> traditional knowledge, traditional medicines, and right now sharing the love of community radio. Please do give us a call at 503-232-8818. It is your time to support community radio. It is your time to pick up the phone and support KBOO, 1-877-500-5266. Welcome back to Health Watch. We're talking today with Rosemary Gladstar, the author of Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide, which can be yours by becoming a member at 503-232-8818. Does the book walk through the, the different dosages that you would recommend to get a medicinal effect? It does, and it goes through chronic situations and acute because they're treated differently um, when you have a chronic situation, which I, I would like to say that I think that herbal medicine really is at its best for chronic long-term illness. I really don't think that allopathic, our modern system of medicine, has nearly as much to offer for those chronic long-term illnesses because, you know, most of what our modern medicine, and I'm certainly not against modern medicine, you know, at all, but I look at it as very different as herbal natural medicine, but most most of what allopathic medicine offers for chronic illness is symptom suppression, you know, how to, how to deaden the pain so that you're not in chronic pain all the time, you know, how to hide that arthritic ache. It's really not working at constitutionally healing the issue. So when I look at chronic issues, I really think that the herbs work the best. And for them to have an effect, they absolutely have to be taken inaccurate dosages over a period of time. And that's different whether it's an herb or a tea. Usually for teas, I say, you know, drink around two to three cups of tea for three to four weeks before you expect any difference. And you can see right there why you don't get the compliancy because really in modern-day America, people like just to pop things, you know, like swallow it down. And Which might lend somebody else to using a tincture or a pill with the herbs if they're not going to be able to do the three cups of tea. Yeah, yeah, honestly. 
So sometimes we'll say, like, take a tincture for a chronic problem, and then it's usually, and this is just very generic because it depends on the particular herb, but you say, like, you know, one quarter to one half teaspoon three times a day. So in a tablet might be depending on the milligrams, but usually we say two capsules three times a day. But if it's an acute situation, it's something that's happening right now, like you're getting a flu or you've got a headache happening, so you want to, and that's, by the way, where I see that allopathic medicine is really good. You know, they have amazing medicine that just goes in and stops things from happening, sometimes to the detriment of the overall system, but um, sometimes very necessarily so. But in herbally, what we in herbalism, what we say is you take small doses frequently over a period of time, and I do go into the differences with teas and tinctures and tablets for acute situations as well. Well, unfortunately, Rosemary, we're almost out of time. Uh, do you ha- do you have any final thoughts for our listeners who are beginners in in either uh, in herbal medicine or, or growing herbs? Yeah, thanks, David. I think what I just want to want to assure people that it's unlike a lot of things when you start herbalism. Actually, is and maybe a lot of things are this way. It's really fun. Usually, when people, um, it's not that illness or medicine is fun, but working with plants and feeling self empowered. You know, really becoming in, and um, becoming part of such an ancient tradition that's been shared all around the world, it actually starts to really make people feel so empowered about really being able to take care of themselves better. And then I also like to share that, you know, when you work with herbs, it doesn't mean that you can't work with other systems of healing. And, in fact, when I think of holistic medicine, the word whole by its very name embraces all kinds of healing. It's just choosing the least invasive and most effective system for the situation. So, um, Well, it was a pleasure having you on Health Watch today, Rosemary. Thanks, David. Thanks so much for including me. We've been talking today with Rosemary Gladstar, the author of Rosemary Gladstar's Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide.